listening to the Quarter to Three Games podcast for October 7, 8, 9, 10, 11. Pick one of those dates that's somewhere in that area. My name is Tom Chick, and my game of the week is not Wing Commander. This is Nick Diamond, and my game of the week is not Prison Architect. This is Brandon Kikowski Schnell, and my game of the week is not Star Trek because it made J.J. Abrams cry. I can't stand Star Trek. Is that weird to say? I just really. No. Oh, God. I love the movies. Wow. I hated the TV show. I thought it was so boring. That, this is a great way to start off the uh, Spaceship, <laughs> Spaceship Week. Week podcast. I'm sorry, I meant I love Star Trek. It has a special place in the cockles of my heart. That's what I meant to say. <laughs> Todd, Todd Bracky and I always get in, a, in an argument over the new Star Trek movies because he's like, they're not fighters. They shouldn't be fighting like fighters. I'm like, yes, they're boring if they fight like giant. Who wants to see two big lumbering ships? And then occasionally they fire a beam and then it's over. That's boring. Nobody wants that. Who's not fighters? The ships aren't fighters. Yeah, Todd. Todd. Todd feels that you know, staging fight scenes. You know, the ship-to-ship fight scenes, as if these are like you know, fighter jets, is is not appropriate. But what they've got, they've got the little uh, dome. So if I'm not mistaken, the Enterprise has like a little half dome underneath that saucer that shoots. It's exclusively for shooting out lasers, right? And I believe they're phasers. Phasers. Oh boy! <laughs> <And> photon <laughs> torpedoes. Now, now, if you're into spaceship Starship Week, you you are in your element here. Yeah, come on. <laughs> let's, let's at least get get the lingo right. Well, uh, as you may know, if you visited uh, Quarter to Three recently, we hope you have. It is Starship Week, and uh, on Wednesday, October 9th, uh, we have the list of the top ten video game starships, which we had assembled by Starship Authority Brian Rubin. Uh, who's a member of the community, and a guy who is nothing if not enthusiastic about sci-fi video games. So, he what, put, what makes him an authority? Do we have some sort of papers, some sort of letters? Sure. No, yeah, he was uh, trained in the School of Online uh, Starship Recognition and oh. uh, and Specification. Uh, he's oh. got a degree from them. Uh, he has logged over, like he has logged literally hundreds of hours in Starship simulators. Uh-huh. And you know you keep a book of that. Sure. Serious. Uh, he, uh, I think, was was a candidate for what happened in Last Starfighter, where a gamer ended up saving the universe. I think he yeah. was in. He was the fourth place on the list of people who were eligible for that position. Um, yeah, that's got a stick in his craw. <laughs> no, yeah, you move on. You learn to live with it, and, and you move on. Uh, uh, those and- are the three jerks. <laughs> And also, I believe, Brian Rubin, the reason he can't be with us here today is because he is already in line to get his tickets for Ender's Game when it, when it opens. Uh, so that's those are his credentials. Uh, now, his list of ships, part of the purpose of a list is, of course, to provoke discussion and, and thought and to uh, have people post in comment section what ships he forgot. Uh, and we, of course, on this podcast are not above that. Um, that's the purpose of a list. So we are, of course, going to indulge in our own complaints and kvetching and accusations of oversight or whatnot that goes with any list. Uh, so Brian has listed for us 10 ships, actually 11, because the point being, of course, the top 10 starships can't just have only 10 starships. They're way too significant for that. 
Uh, so he has listed 11 ships, uh, and I presume we all are, are ready to point out some oversights. So, Nick, let's let's start with you. If you were to point out some ship that needed to be on the list of, of top video game spaceships, spaceships of all time, what would be missing from Brian's list for you? So, just one ship? Sure. Start us off with one. Sure, there's many. Okay. Uh, I, I, I think the list is great, uh, but I think it should have gone into at least 12 um, instead of 11. I would have definitely put the Homeworld Mothership on there. What did that look like? Uh, that is that ship that sort of looks like the uh, like just a giant wing if you stand it on end. Mm-hmm. So it's it's just a big uh, vertical slab, really, with a rounded front. That um, sounds exciting. Yeah, <laughs> it's hot. What? The thing is, you can't very well play have played Homeworld without being exposed to it because it was in every mission. It was it was literally the centerpiece of that game. Uh, so I think anybody who played Homeworld would come away with an appreciation beyond what Nick just described. I mean, it must sound silly. Oh, you put a wing on end. There you go. Uh, <laughs> but you were constantly protecting it. You were bringing resources to it. It was the center of all the missions. Um, they did some really cool stuff with it in the, the Homeworld sequel as far as upgrading it and changing what it could do and putting a kind of a tech tree there. Um, and, and Nick, I'm glad you mentioned that because what strikes me about Brian's list is that all of his ships – the thing with a list is a list says more about the person making the list than the subject, and that's as it should be. You know, Lists are very personal uh, declarations in a way. And what we learn about Brian is that a lot of the ships that he likes are ships that you physically fly, that you're inside of it and you're flying around in it, or in a couple of cases, ships that you fly against, like the Dreadnought from Free Space 2 that, uh, that he brings up. Um, but but what you can sort of see missing from Brian's experience, uh, the kinds of ships that he's missed that are probably because he didn't play games like this, are from RTSs like, like Homeworld. Um, so I'm glad you mentioned Homeworld because it brings up for me, when I think of video game spaceships, for me, the more recent peak moments have been watching them versus flying them, specifically in an RTS. And the one that, that comes up for me is Sins of a Solar Empire. There's just so much awesome spaceship porn in that game. Um, but if your experience is basically playing the old school traditional space sims like Brian plays, that's probably not going to be something you're into. Does either of you guys know Sins of a Solar Empire? Uh, so I, good. I, I know of it just from having. It, I, I don't play RTSs. I'm more like Brian, and like his his ships kind of line up with mine. But well, also, no, you don't. I, mean, I know you don't, of it, but I, right. I know I've never played it. You don't have a PC either, do you? I have, a, I have several laptops. <laughs> Does that count? Yeah, until Sins of the Solar Empire comes to like you know the Xbox, the iPad, the iPad, the right? The iPad, I can play. <laughs> uh, but uh, it is so. The ones that that stand out. You you mentioned the Homeworld ship, uh, Nick. Though there's there are three factions in Sins of the Solar Empire. One of the factions is these good guy psychic chicks. Um, they're called the Advent, and they have uh, a capital ship. They're capital ships in Sins of the Solar Empire, which are kind of like heroes in Warcraft, in that they're, they're important units. You level them up. They get new skills. They're super expensive, super powerful, but also super precious. Um, 
the Advent have a ship called the Progenitor Mothership, which is also that kind of it's standing up on end at a weird angle that reminds me a bit of the Homeworld ship. But it looks more like a glue gun, like something that, you know, it's a, it's a little awkward. It's not one of the better ships in the game. Uh, but part of the beauty of Sins of a Solar Empire is there are so many different kinds of ships in there. Um, the Advent ship that I really like, uh, and Nick, you'll appreciate this, there's a battle cruiser called the the Revelation. And the Revelation has that same weird thing like the Slave 1 where you don't know, okay, does it does it sit on end like this or does it flip up? Like the way it moves around, it's kind of like an, an iron tilted on its side flying around. And it reminds me a lot of the Slave 1 in, in that regard. Um, yeah, it, it almost it almost flies like nose down. I know. Yeah, the Advent Revelation. I it, it yeah. I guess you're right. Like <laughs> you really have to do kind of picture an iron sort of put on its point and then you know moving around on that. And that's that's the beauty of a lot of spaceship design is you take something familiar and you just tweak it or make it somehow weird. And you can do that in space. You know, in space, uh, the no, rocket ship doesn't. There's no air, you know, you don't have to go, well, that thing would never fly. Like, you don't have to worry about wings, or you don't have to worry about, you know. Space is all about, uh, pardon my French, but it's all about fuck physics. <laughs> you right. just look like however you want to. <laughs> yeah. uh, the, uh, there's a lot of great traditional ships in uh, Sins of a Solar Empire. Uh, and if you come to Sins of a Solar Empire and you just play the vanilla humans, they're called the TEC, I have no idea what that stands for, uh, the basic capital ship you would play is called the Call Battlecruiser, and Call is K-O-L, and it to me looks like the Sulaco from Aliens. It's a very familiar shape, and it's got some, some things sticking out of the nose that may or may not be guns, maybe they're just antennas, who knows, uh, but I love the familiarity of that, and just from learning sins and playing that basic faction and watching your Call Battlecruiser level up, I just have a, a huge appreciation for that that ship's role. In, in the game. Uh, but then also, Sins of a Solar Empire can do some really freaky, crazy things. And one of my favorite examples of this, in one of the expansion uh, expansions for Sins, they added Titans, which are a step way above capital ships. You definitely have to dig deep into the research tree. You have to set up a special base to build a Titan. But once it comes out, it's one of these great uh, game changers as far as upending the balance. They're super powerful ships, and they do some really freaky visual stuff with Titans. But my favorite one would be the evil faction, the Vasari. They have a Titan called a Kultorosk. I don't even know if I'm saying that right. But it looks like some crazy crab octopus monster thing. It's, it's you know, five times as big as anything else on the screen. It can change its angle. And, you know, you would, looking at it, you would have no idea where the front is. It just looks freaky and scary and monstrous. Um, and it reminds me a lot of Brian talking about that dreadnought from Free Space 2. You know, what if something really huge is also really scary looking? Um, so those are the things that I would add to, to Brian's list. Uh, Brandon, what Xbox 360 uh, little games do you have that maybe have great spaceships in them? Yeah, that's, that's, that's not even right that you would do that. Well, you know, I, I, I love Brian's list as well. That, that Zaxxon, that was awesome uh, to, to have that in there. But, you know, and, and Free Space 2 is one of my favorite um, games of all time. But I got to go back to the original because Free Space 2 dropped Descent 
from the name because the original ah. Free Space was called Descent Free Space because it was right. made by the fine folks at Volition and Interplay. And to me, there's no greater space ship in all of gaming than the ship you played in in Descent. Because at, at the time that that game came out, like we, we had 3D shooters, but we didn't actually have like shooters that actually allowed you to move 360 degrees of motion and descent was like the first game uh, like the first kind of first person game and you could play in third person as well that i remember playing where you could go up you could go down you could slide and my very first job holy crap on fridays i worked at university and we would on fridays myself the network admin and a grad student who was working in our office we would um play descent uh from the moment we got in until around 11 30 then we would go to the student union and we would get a pizza and we would bring it back to the office and we would play more descent and i just i remember just i not really liking first person shooters because i was terrible at them as i still am uh but really enjoying descent because just kind of the level of you know, there's the, the different things that you can do, the kind of the tactical things that opened up from, you know, being able to, um, you know, to, to being able to um, go and, and, and all of those all of those directions. Just um, be divorced from gravity. I mean, that's, just part, of the, that's yeah, part of the joy yeah. of a spaceship is it can go anywhere. And that, that whole fuck physics element came. That, that, that's so much a part of descent, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And then and then they also had. You know, they had an amazing set of tools, and people made great maps. And I remember um, they actually had a, a map contest uh, for Descent 2. When Descent 2 came out, it included uh, a disc of maps, uh, the, the, the best maps. And we played more of, of – there was, like, a bunch of those maps. We played more of those than we did the ones that actually came on the disc. Um, and so many of the, like, the great gaming moments that I can remember um, – when I was a younger lad, were were in descent. So, so I would definitely have to put that ship on my list. Well, now I have a question for you, Brandon, because Lord knows I certainly have vivid memories of descent as well. I don't think I could tell you what the ship looked like. Uh, oh, I could. What? Yeah. What is the descent? It was ship look silver. Like? It had like a blue cockpit. It had like two wings that were kind of like kind of folded down at the tips, um, and then uh, it just you know had a bunch of. It was kind of stubby. Um, and then it had, like, a, like a pointy rocket ship kind of shape. Uh, it wasn't. It wasn't a point. It, it didn't look like. Um, it didn't look like you know the ships in Battlestar Galactica. It wasn't like pointed nose like that. It was more like a like a snub nose, almost like a frog's face. Um, but then, did it yeah, have a name? I, I have no idea. Okay. <laughs> I, can, I have no idea. I remember I the, the plasma missiles were the fucking bomb. How those things would explode and send all that green plasma around the screen. Holy shit. If you like would jump into a room and you didn't know where dudes were, shoot one of those at the wall and the plasma would then shoot right over to where they were. That shit was the bomb. And the mega missile, the sound of that mega missile like locking onto the beep, 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 and knowing that shit oh, yeah. was all done. Yep. So two things that stand out for me in Descent that I don't think anyone has really ripped these off enough i remember wasn't there like a little thief bot that would fly around and steal your power-ups yep yeah so i I certainly love chasing those treasure goblins in in diablo 3 but they did that in in borderlands 2 had the thief rats i don't even remember that borderland i don't 
defrag. Yeah. Well, see, the thing is, like the treasure goblin, there's nothing personal with that. He's just got stuff that I want. And I don't remember what the thing about the thief bot is. It's a it's a personal affront. Yeah. That he yeah. took something from me. I think that was Descent Two. I don't think that was the original Descent. Right. I think right. Was Descent okay. Two. Okay. But yeah, in, in Borderlands Two, there was a when you got to like the kind of the sewer rat people or whatever they were called. I think they were just called rats. There was a guy called the thief rat, and he would take your gold. Oh, I don't care about my gold there. Like that, he can have it. That's fine. I'm, I was never that attached to my money in Borderlands. Uh, it's just paper, right? It's just so paper. I'll get Tom's more. Tom's more on the one percent. He doesn't care. Yeah, whatever. In Borderlands, that's certainly true. I don't care. What am I going to do with my money? I'll just sell some of these crap guns to that that Yuri fellow that I've picked up. So yeah. Uh, so the other thing that Descent did that I I wish someone had ripped off is when you would play single player. I think you would go in and you would have to destroy a reactor or something. You'd have to destroy the reactor, yep. But it's what came after that I loved is that you then had to get you out did, of the level yeah, and set home. Yeah. So <laughs> it created this sense of having to learn the level. It wasn't yes. just, oh, I'm going through from point A to point B. I don't need to learn anything. There's no challenge. You know, I just move through and I scour out the stuff. That's the traditional way first-person shooters work. But in Descent, you had to get in there and pay attention where you were going because you were going to have to turn around and hightail it out of there. Well, uh, I love that, that spatial awareness it encouraged. Yeah, I mean, it had the combination of, like, the you know the the kind of the anal retentive I got to uncover the whole map of like an action RPG or like a Baldur's Gate you know when you'd see that you know you'd enter a new area and it was just fog of war and you're like no 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 this won't do I got to see what's over here right. so you know kind of had that 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 same thing where you're like you know and it, it also had a little bit of the kind of the Metroid thing where you know you had to get the key to go f- open up this door Metroid I guess well I guess Doom was doing that too but you know kind of this notion of making your way to a part of the map getting stuck, then going a different way, you know, so that you could then get unstuck. And then, but yeah, just kind of seeing, okay, where does this pipe go? Where does this passage go? You know, which then worked when you had to get the hell out of there to actually, you know, survive. So let me just raise this as a devil's advocate. Are we sure that this is a spaceship? Well, why wouldn't it be? Because it's in a dungeon. Ah, it's a space dungeon. <laughs> Very good. I'll accept that. Yeah, Speaking wasn't it of some space- kind of asteroid miner or something? Is that true? Were you actually? Yeah, where were you? Were they asteroids? So you were in something that was in outer space, I guess. Right. Yeah, you were launched from space and you flew through space into it. Okay, I'm, well, I'm going to say you could be in space. And There's to be no- fair, if you really wanted to push this, aren't we all in something that's in outer space? Exactly. Spaceship Earth. That's really the best spaceship. (laughs) Uh, I'm I'm a little disappointed, Brandon, that as an advocate of console gaming, you didn't bring up what is mainly a console gaming spaceship. Do do you know what I'm thinking of? I can give you hints, maybe. Well, Nick and I talked that that, um, he should have put the the Saber wing. What was it called, Nick? The Star Saber? Saber Uh, The Saber, yeah, just the the Saber. saber That really uh, awesome, the jet from that really awesome level in Halo Reach where you were like, yeah, I'm in a ship. And then 30 seconds later, it was over, and you're like, oh, no ship. (laughs) Oh, I never get to do that again. Yeah, yeah it's like a great, the greatest spaceship tease, kind of, isn't yeah. it? Um, uh, is that what you're talking about? I'm thinking of a ship. Let me give you hints. Are you here. talking about the, the ship in Dark Star 1, that like weird Eastern European kind of space ah, sim? Where, huh? Again, I, couldn't, I played that. I couldn't tell you what the ship looked like. Now, this ship, I know what it looks like, but here's a hint. Uh, you, you have a lot of sex on it. <laughs> uh, Gee, um, what could it be? <laughs> Let me think about this. Oh, I know. It's Viva Pinata, right? (laughs) 
<laughs> there's not in it's not in outer space. Well, by that oh, earlier uh, rationale, the, the Normandy. Huh? Very good. Yes, the yeah. Normandy is a yeah a veritable pee wagon. I, I guess you could say. <laughs> uh, uh, Someone mentioned in the in the comments section though, and I actually kind of like this better. Uh, he brought up the Ebon Hawk, which is a predecessor to the Normandy, where Bioware was doing the the uh, the Star Wars universe, and they wanted to give players their own Millennium Falcon without it being a Millennium Falcon. So they created the Ebon Hawk, and there's this idea that it's your base, oh, yeah. and it's your hub for your missions. Um, so I definitely prefer the Ebon Hawk to, to the Normandy, as far as what Bioware brought to spaceship culture. What about System Shock Two in System Shock Two? Was that on a ship? Or was that on like the a Valley like Forge? A space isn't that, station? No, wait. So yeah, the Valley Forge is uh, that that Bruce Dern movie, uh, Silent Running, isn't it? And and didn't Valley Forge is a city in Pennsylvania. Well, no, no. But before <laughs> then, it was a spaceship. Everyone knows. Before then, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah totally. Uh, so I forget, but Valley Forge had the in the Bruce Dern movie had these biodome things uh, where all the, the trees were kept, and I think System Shock Two played with that idea. The uh, I forget what they called them. I'm, I'm woefully unprepared. And technically, wasn't it a space station? That's what I'm saying. I couldn't I couldn't remember. Right. If it was right. a station or if it was oh, a ship. You know what? No. Uh, there was the whole thing with the two ships stuck together stuck in together. System Shock yeah. 2. It was System Shock 1 that was the, the space station, but System Shock 2, Nick, you're, yeah, you're totally right. It was two ships. Um, Passing Because the there was the one part. You had to go through the tether or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. That's right. And they had such cool names. I'm sure there are people listening right now who are screaming at their computers the names of the two ships in System Shock 2. One of them was Russian, like the Roskov, if I'm not, something like that. The, the Ivan Dragunov? No, that not? It's a sniper rifle. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, yeah, so if, you, uh, if you're listening uh, and you're screaming at us the names of the two ships in System Shock 2, good for you. Uh, we're glad you know it. We can't think of those right now. Uh, but, yeah, those are – and, of course, they – you know, ships you experience from the inside, which is also something we haven't really touched on, is ships as level design. Mm. Um, yeah. yeah, well, that would be, I mean, there's there's a lot of those. Uh, what was that game where you pilot a starship? Uh, dadgummit, that I think, I want to say Larry Holland did it, like Bridge Commander. Am I making that up? Am I inventing that? Is there a game called Bridge Commander? I, Maybe so. No, yeah, isn't there? It's a Star Trek game, right? Are you serious? Did I, uh, yeah, I no. I, that's the it's the Star Trek game where you're you you play the commander of the starship, and instead of like managing the ship itself, you're you're like manage it, it like the interface mimics uh, as if you were sending commands to the different stations. Right, right. And I'd completely forgotten that was a Star Trek thing. Uh, yeah, it yeah, was a Star Trek thing, unfortunately. <laughs> okay, well, I'll put that out of my memory. Uh, well, there we then. Now we're we've come to uh, those battle cruiser games. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, ooh. <laughs> uh, and I also I recall on my Apple II GS way back in the day. I think it was menu driven, and I want to say it was maybe called Omnitrend. Uh, it, it was a game where you command very much. A, you're the commander of a starship kind of thing, and you're giving orders to different sections. I can imagine anyone who's into FTL would appreciate uh, that that early Omnitrend game. Um, and way back when, they even had the promise of having all these modules for boarding combat and exploring new planets and stuff. Um, 
but that's that's super old. Uh, all right, anything else Brian left off? Any other ways we can tell him he's wrong? Well, I, I am a, uh, speaking of names, I am a fan of uh, not the ships themselves, but I love the names of Halo's uh, spaceships. Oh, God. Of course. Give us a couple like, of those, Nick. Yeah. Uh, like the Pillar of Autumn. Or Forward the Until Dawn. Forward Unto Dawn. Yeah, those are great names. Pass me the remote. <laughs> is that a real one, Brandon? Yes, it is. No, it's not. The I gotta get out of here. <laughs> we all get it. If it's the last thing I ever do. The F this. <laughs> yeah. The, who knows what the hell is going on right now? Anyone? Anyone? No? Okay. <laughs> why, why am I playing an alien? <laughs> Wait, I turned into a purple guy. Why? <laughs> yeah, it's the it's the everyone drank the Kool Aid. It's the do they not have a script editor? Sorry, that's. <laughs> uh, all right, good. So let's see other ships. Uh, you know what? If you have any ideas, if you're listening, check out Brian's list. He's got some great things on there. I love how retro he got. I had no idea what that's that space Zaxxon, on, man. That well, brought they, back some memories. Space Holy War. Crap. What the heck is that space war thing? I didn't know what that was. I mean, I feel like that's that's why Brian is the authority and I'm not, I guess. Um, so uh, if you have ideas, we'd love you to check out Brian's list of top ten spa- video game spaceships of all time. It's important to point out we're not talking movie spaceships. Those have their own entries. Brian even, he, he made a great case for the Nebulon B frigate from the, the Star Wars games. Uh, and I had to explain to him, well, that's from movies and we're doing separate movie spaceships. Um, but he, he really wanted to talk about the role of the Nebulon frigate in some of those missions in, in like, uh, the TIE, TIE Fighter game and X-Wing games. Um, but too bad that was a movie spaceship. So if you have some ideas and you're listening, uh, sucks to be you, bad. Bri. Yep. Uh, too bad. <laughs> post those in, in the comments for, for Brian's section. We'd love, for Brian's post. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, so, okay, let's get on to some games of the week this week. Here we are mid October or so. Um, I'm uh, and also a real quick check in. Please tell me neither of you guys has finished Grand Theft Auto Five yet. The storyline, right? No, no. Uh, I have not finished it. Okay, good. Uh, I, I would just I would hate to think that one of you guys beat me there. Um, I, no, I just I, I couldn't stomach that. I keep playing and I I have this almost pathological compulsion not to skip any one of the the letters or the question marks. Which you know the yeah. question marks are the strangers yeah. and freaks. The letters are all. Basically, they're, they're storyline missions, but some of them are kind of side missions. I, I can't let any of those go unanswered. Well, the only ones I'm leaving, I'm leaving the assassination missions until the end of the game. Um, okay, maybe you shouldn't do that. No, wow, why? That. Wait, why? Why are you leaving why? the assassination? Because, because what, what, who, who wants to manipulate the stock market with chump change? All right, I need to get some bank before I'm going to be <laughs> buying low and selling high. Come on now. Nick, so, he so might have a point. In maxing, that's why you're leaving him. Yeah, you know that that 150 million dollar golf course is not going to buy itself. You are damn right kidding? it ain't. Yeah, Brandon, I mean, twenty point. buying twenty grand worth of stack stock. Come on, I got to think. I mean, I don't know how the game ends, but I got to think that these guys got some, some some more money than what I currently have in their future. Well, I see that price, and part of me thinks surely Rockstar is going to give me enough money to buy that somewhere around the end of the storyline, right? They're not going to make me grind for that or do anything silly, or right? I don't think they will give you that much. I think they will give you the seed money that you can then maybe do some choice assassinations. And if you pay attention to our our man Lester as to what he's telling you in terms of like what 
what uh, stock to buy, then I think you can probably get there. But Perhaps. keep in mind, for a hundred percent, you only have to buy five properties. You yeah, don't have I've, to buy all the properties. Although there may be an achievement for that. Okay, you say that, but I I feel like because I've got way more than five at this point because I'm blowing all my money on the cheap ones. Um, but I I still want those other ones. You know, you telling sure. me, Brandon, that someone somewhere is going to tell me I've hundred percented it when there are t- still like ten properties unpurchased. That- the, the checklist on the social club, I think, will tell you that. Okay, I don't Not care about somebody. that checklist. I just want to own things. I feel like I'm uh, Daniel Plainview, which is a uh, uh, Daniel Day Lewis's character. Yeah. From, uh, I feel like I'm looking at the map, going, "Why don't I own this?" You know, well, but like I said, then I'd say wait. Like I made the mistake. I did a couple assassination missions, and then I was, I you know, I was kind of reading, and people were like, "Save them till the end, because then you can make some serious money." And also, don't sell the stock right away. Like you want to, you want to wait a little bit. Um, because the stock, like it, it looks like, like that was my other mistake is that I sold it right away, and you really kind of want to wait like an in-game day or two, and eventually the stock will kind of go up, and it'll hit a, it'll hit a peak, and it'll stay there. So it's not like you have to, it's not like the real life stock market where you have to worry that you're going to lose money. But if you kind of just let it sit, and then, and then it goes up, and then just kind of keep checking, you'll get to a point where it doesn't really change anymore, and then you could sell it. And then the, the flip side of that too is whatever stock tanks as a result of the assassination, like buy that because it takes more time for that to go up, but eventually it will go back up to pretty much pre-assassination levels. So like every assassination mission allows you to kind of make money twice. This doesn't help me because I've already done them all. Oh, well, then I guess you're screwed. <laughs> and by, Okay, when you say... I read somewhere you're cheat. You're basically like look reading stuff from other people about how to min max Grand Theft Auto Five. Yeah. So, <laughs> I mean, did not. I did not think that would be your response. I thought I would have trumped you with that. That's, all right. That's a tough enough. argument. I have <laughs> achievement. I have over a hundred thousand achievement points. You think I came up with all those on my own? Come on. <laughs> I have no rebuttal. Fair point. Uh, well, then let me just segue into my pick for game of the week because my pick for game of the week is uh, Grand Theft Auto Five Online. Is that cheating? Yeah. No. Because uh, Rockstar has said uh, they think of it as a separate game. Like when I was talking to them about you know getting a review copy lined up and stuff, and, and I was playing it before it came out, I asked the PR guy, so what's going to happen at this little online tab? Because I was uh, blissfully ignorant to this what the little- game <laughs> yeah, exactly. I thought it was going to be like I could match achievements, or I thought it, at first, like maybe there was going to be some kind of deathmatch mode. I didn't really understand what they were doing, and he he explained to me some of their plans, and that it wouldn't come out until a few weeks after the release. And furthermore, that they wanted us, people reviewing the game, to think of it as a separate release. Um, I think that's fair. I don't know that I do. It, when you sell something. Uh, for a single price as a single package? Oh, the, yeah, from that perspective, yes. Yeah. So I'm only rationalizing the fact that I want to talk about Grand Theft Auto V online separate from the game, not how I would cover it as a reviewer or anything. Uh, so that's why I'm picking as my game of the week Grand Theft Auto V online, even though we've done plenty of GTA talk in previous podcasts. Uh, so has either of you spent much time with I GTA? have, and... What it has taught me is that I, I need to get in there with people I actually know because yeah. it's just too frustrating to play with random people. Well, has it taught you that it's also equally frustrating to try to play with people that you know? I, I haven't actually played with anybody. <laughs> it took me a while to actually get in, and then even when I got in, it was not what I would consider stable. 
Okay. So I have not I have not been able to play with with people that I know. Nick, have you played with anyone you know? I have played with one person that I know, and I believe it was by accident <laughs> because they have not made it easy. Yeah. So so how did that explain the process to us? What happened to you? Oh my god. <laughs> so you have to do it. So. You have to do like a crew thing first, right? Yeah. So everybody's done the crew thing, um, and then I, I on Xbox, I I don't know how it works on the PS4, but I I think on the Xbox you also have to be friends with that person to play. At least, yeah. I like I can't I I, I can't even really figure it out. Like it, it it's it, as far as I know. And then so then you get in and then you pull up your phone. Uh, and you can, it's like a weird invite process, but the other yeah. guy's got to, you know, be, obviously they have to be on and they have to get invited. In. It's terrible. It's terrible. And then, you know, when you additionally, right. I mean, the whole thing hasn't been very stable for the past yeah. week or whatever. It's, it's been pretty bad. So, you know, you've got that whole crap shoot going. What, what? Part what, what's a bummer about it is that with Red Dead Redemption, and they're clearly basing this on the model in Red Dead Redemption, they're trying to take it several steps further. Uh, but in Red Dead Redemption, you would just join a server, basically, right. with your buddies, and it would be a 16-player sort of miniature online world there, like a shard maybe. And then from there, you could jump into matchmaking and stuff. They're doing something similar here, but it looks like what they want to do is make it, I think... The irony is if they're trying to make it easier or more streamlined or more hands-off, uh, and it just makes it more complicated by giving you multiple ways to, to join your friends or join random people. Uh, so what, what happens is you can start a mission, and then there's this crazy long list of how and who you can fill the mission with other players. So I can just – the top thing is just auto-invite people, just you know fill it up. Or I can go down to, okay – auto-invite all my crew members, or I can go in, in a sub-menu there, let me look at a list of all my crew members and individually invite them. So I can see the tools there, but the problem this early in the process, and actually, you know, I say this early in the process, they've had a good week to get it going. This is based on Red Dead Redemption, so it's not that early. I'm, I'm a little surprised it, it's still as clunky as it is, but I try to invite people, and it just doesn't work. It just hangs on the invitation. I've gotten invites from a friend of mine where I'm just playing the story. You know, I'm doing something crazy as Trevor, and Trevor's phone goes off, and I think it's going to be, you know, someone calling Trevor. But no, it's my buddy. It gives his name, and it says he's about to do this co-op mission. And I'm like, yeah, cool. I'll go do that. And I accept it, and it just kind of hangs my Xbox 360. Yeah, it and doesn't I sit go there anywhere. For a while. Yeah, exactly. And, and, and furthermore, while it's doing that little loading thing, and I'm just kind of staring at the, the – the overhead view of the city with everything blurred out. I'm th- it's going through my mind. I'm thinking that they've had issues with deleting saved progress <laughs> and deleting characters. And I'm thinking, oh God, is it as I'm as I'm watching this, is it erasing my single player progress? <laughs> right. <laughs> Which it- it's not. Uh, you know, so far so good. I don't think it's. I don't think the problems with that are common by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, but it's just really clunky, and, and I've. I've not been able, you know, it should be very simple when my buddy's going to do a co-op mission for him to say, hey, Tom, come join me. And it should be very simple for me to you be able to pop respond. right in. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But that's not the way it's working right now. Um, so uh, 
what what time you guys have spent online, aside from the connectivity issues, uh, what kind of things have you been doing, if anything, and have you leveled up much? No, I mean, I, I did. I had to do. I did the race, and then I had to do that first, like go get the drugs. I did that twice because the first time I like disappeared. I- um, and then, you know, of course, as soon as that ended, one of the people I did it with, you know, killed me because, you know, why not? Um, and then, and then I got an email from, or a text from Lamar and he's like, Hey, go rob a store. And I was like, okay. And I'm standing out there just like waiting for this random person to show up. I don't know. He must've had like a doctor's appointment or something. Cause I was there forever. And then he finally shows up. We stick up the store and then we start running towards his car. And then he decides, no, let's take your car. So we start running to my car. But then the cops show up and instead of like leaving he wants to shoot it out so i ended up getting killed and then he left with all the money and i was like uh i am not playing this game with random people that is just not a thing that is happening yeah uh and then that that was all i did okay uh uh nick have you have you had any luck doing some of the different activities or co-op missions uh i i have i was doing so i had they just balanced it apparently, but there was a, a mission called, uh, I guess, the duct, ventilation duct or whatever. And I was doing that, and that was pretty cool, and it was getting me like $20,000 at a pop. Doing what? What did you have to do for this? Um, it was, it was like, a like an infiltrate and then you had a, like, you had, it was like a building downtown. You had to infiltrate it. Um, uh, and obviously that's where the ventilation duct came in. Uh, and then you got to the top and you, you know, like the, um, almost like the heist in the, the first, oh, the first heist one? you do in the single player game, you, mm-hmm. you know, you, you toss a grenade into the ventilation duct and then you can, you know, sweep in and, and basically get everything in this building. Uh, and so, for whatever reason, Rockstar apparently didn't know that this was exploitable. <laughs> so, oh, yeah, okay. So, like, people were just literally, like, they would do this mission, you finish the mission in, like, seven or eight minutes, and then, you know, bam, you just do it again. <laughs> oh, because you can choose replay on the right. voting screen. And people ah. would just keep doing it. And I was like, well, okay, let me get in on this. Got up to about level 12, and then... uh uh, my character got deleted. <laughs> See, that's what you get for cheating. I know. I, I, yeah, I, I know. think there's this is karma at work, Nick. I hope you've learned your lesson. Well, I, you I, should rob. I don't you should rob bad. things properly. If you're going to steal and murder people, <laughs> at least have the common decency to be a, to do it justly. I uh, I don't feel bad about it going away though. Um, I was having a uh, a lot of fun. Uh, so now I've started a character. I think I'm level six with him. Um. And just doing the normal stuff. And, and I think, they, like I said, they rebalance this mission, so you can't just farm right. it over and over again. Um, I, I do like, as I'm leveling up, uh, and, and Brandon, this will be some comfort for you, uh, as I'm leveling up and they're folding in the different activities, the different features of the online world, you're unlocking more equipment, I, I really enjoy this sense of progression. Um, and there have been a few times where I've been invited into a mission that I'm obviously not high enough level to do yet, and I've seen, oh, this is the kind of cool stuff in store for me. Um, I got invited to one last night where you and another player, regardless of where you are in the city, uh, you know, it's a two-player mission. Uh, I got, ex- you know, I got an invite to join it. It was from a random guy because a lot of the invites you can just, you, a lot of the missions you just hit invite anyone. So I got an invite to join a two-player co-op mission. I joined it. I had to drive to a place on the city, and when I got there, there's a, a ladder up to uh, the roof of a, of a series of buildings, 
And then across the street is another long series of buildings where my partner has to climb up. And the idea is that I'm supposed to be working my way along this building, sniping people off of the roof where he is, and he's supposed to be working his way forward to get to a helicopter at the other end of this series of buildings. So I'm covering him from across the street. He's working his way to the helicopter. Then we're supposed to, he's supposed to fly in the helicopter. I don't know where I'm supposed to be at this point. Well, because I've, I've died long before he got to the helicopter. Um, but the idea is that I'm supposed to be in a sniper role. He's supposed to be in the pilot role. And that came up when I accepted the mission. You know, it was almost like putting us on different teams. The problem was, because I was only level nine, I only had a pistol and a submachine gun. <laughs> And all the other dudes on his side, he was level 41, all the other dudes on his side had automatic weapons and sniper rifles. I I lasted, I I got killed just like that. You know, you have only so many lives you can waste on these missions. So I lost all my lives and basically watched him slowly work his way across this building, get to the helicopter, and then fly the helicopter across the city while other helicopters chase him. And at this point, I don't know where I, as the sniper, was supposed to be. I don't know if I was supposed to be riding with him, if I was supposed to get my own helicopter. But then he gets the helicopter, and I'm I'm watching him this whole time, and I'm cheering for him because I want the money reward and the XP reward if he succeeds. Then he lands the helicopter, and he's supposed to fight his way further to some other point, and that's where he got killed. Um, so I really like the idea that they're doing clever stuff like this with some of the co-op missions. Um, some of the races I've seen, I had a great bicycle race around the, the Los Santos airport that I jumped into. Uh, there are some, of course, uh, water races and stuff. Um, some of the deathmatch arenas look really cool. Uh, so I really like how you know you can glimpse what stuff is in store for you when this finally works and when, uh, when you level up some. So and even did buying you, property, yeah, yeah. Did I what? Did you do the thirty-minute triathlon? I did that in the single player. You bet I yeah. did. Did you Ugh. do that? Of course you did oh, that. Yeah, I did. Yeah, what do we get I for did. it? By the way, I still haven't figured out what I got for that. What did we you get? Got credit towards having it done. So that's for hundred percent, and that's why yes, I did sir. that, right? Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, because I'd maxed out Franklin's stamina long before I. Well, I think during. That I didn't period. realize that that actually made a difference. So, like, I was actually doing the triathlon as Michael, and all of a sudden he hit 100% stamina, and then next thing you know, he's not getting tired anymore. And I was like, Christmas comes early. (laughs) But, yeah, 30 minutes of pressing the A button is, yeah. That was a very good SpongeBob impression, by the way. I don't. I don't have. I have no idea what you're referencing. I know that's a thing. They're going, hey, that sounds like you sounded like SpongeBob. That's, thank you very much. That's an impression I'm working on. <laughs> uh, all right, so there's my game of the week. Uh, okay, let's go around the table. What levels is everyone? Nick, you said you got someone to level 12, and you were punished by the universe, and now you're like, what, level 6 or so? Uh, level 6. Okay. Uh, Brandon, still oh, level 1. I'm 3 or 4, maybe? 3 or 4. Interesting. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. All right, well, I uh, as soon as we finish this podcast, I'm probably going to be online, and I plan I'm, I'm within a stone's throw of dinging level 10. So there, oh. yeah. There you go. You could be. You would be our gang leader. You'd be our kingpin. Well, I am the crew pre- president, leader, whatever that's called. Yeah. So. Homie. Yeah. yeah. Uh, all right. There's my game of the week. Nick, why don't you go next? What have you chosen as your game of the week? My game of the week is Bioshock Two. 
Bioshock 2. Yeah, I know, I know. Bioshock 2 on PC, oh. specifically mm-hmm. Steam, uh, no was recently patched so that Games for Windows Live is no longer in it. Wait, so I don't get Xbox Live, I don't get Gamer Score improvements? You do not. Oh, Brandon, how do you feel about that? <laughs> um, I, I don't care. <laughs> you don't even well, play on the PC, so yes. I, play yeah, I don't, I, I, games for Wind Live, Steam, whatever. Who, who, <laughs> <this is> shit. <laughs> and, and, and Nick, this led you to revisit it, or you're just applauding it for this, this move? Uh, it, it did lead me to revisit it. Uh, the, two reasons. Number one, uh, I, I the problem with Games for Windows Live, for me, and I know other people have tons of different issues with it, but the problem for me is we use our Xbox 360 uh, as a media hub in the living room. Mm-hmm. Um, so congratulations to Microsoft, because we're using it exactly the way that they would like me to use it. <laughs> As my living room hub. Um, but what that means is, if I want to go to the other room and play a PC game that uses games for Windows Live, I cannot sign in. <laughs> that is so moronic. <laughs> right? So, so for like the couple of years now, Bioshock 2 has basically been off limits to me on PC. Uh, like, I could sneak in a little bit of time on it. Um, <laughs> you know... <laughs> And the other thing was, uh, and Bioshock 2 on PC, uh, even though you have it on Steam or wherever you got it from, the only place to purchase the Minerva's Den uh, DLC was through games for DLC Windows Live. Ever. <laughs> and, and yeah, and it's worth purchasing. Uh, it's yeah. fantastic. It's amazing. Yeah. Maybe no, that, it's worth going through games for Windows Live. Maybe. <laughs> Let's not push it. All right. Yeah. Well, I mean, the problem was I would I would I would think about it and I'd go, oh, I really want it, but then, well, crap, I'm not I'm not going to get it because I can never play the damn game. <laughs> right. And and so, uh, Nick, you know, Nick, Nick, I gotta say, I, th- I think you're being a little, uh, you know, you want to play the game, you buy. I mean, come on. A dirt bag. Yeah, <laughs> yeah you've only you've only rented that game, Nick. You've only leased it. You've agreed to a user, an end user yeah, licensing mean, agreement. You haven't bought it. Yeah. Well, I, you know what? Uh, honestly, my bad for not realizing the whole games for Windows Live deal. Yeah. <laughs> I. Really. I mean, I, I. I think. Yeah, that's my fault. I probably should have done some kind of research. For some reason, I thought. Oh, they 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 must have a way for me to sign in on the pc right as as well i mean nick these people are software people what do you expect okay i mean to come up with a way for two separate products on two separate electronic devices to not lock each other out i mean that's crazy talk next thing you know you're going to want to put people on the moon i mean come on right am i right uh so nick what's the deal now with minerva's den and with the the downloadable maps for the multiplayer. Does, does everybody get these? Are they just easier to get? What What if I want to buy Bioshock 2 and play those multiplayer maps and Minerva's Den? So if you had Bioshock 2 in your Steam library, uh, then you get everything for free. It just awesome. comes right in. You get all the DLC maps, you get the little DLC. Well, I forget the. I think there was like a weapons package, right? What oh, there was like a horde mode package? kind of thing. Yeah, or, there's uh, a yeah. Horde mode. You get that. The protector trials. Right. right. That's right. Yep. Yeah. Get that. 
you get the two DLC map packs, and you get Minerva's Den, uh, because, uh, according to Take Two, or 2K, they couldn't, they just couldn't figure out who had bought it and who hadn't, and apparently Microsoft <laughs> wouldn't divulge. You get a map! You yes, get a map! They were just like, well, everybody just gets everything. <laughs> if now, what if, yeah, go ahead. Yep. If you purchase Bioshock 2 now mm-hmm. on Steam, like you didn't yes. have it before, then you get everything except Minerva's Den. Whoa, wait, what if I want Minerva's Den and I don't have Bioshock 2 yet? Oh. Then, uh, then you're going to have to buy the whole package. <laughs> oh, wait, so so if I don't have Bioshock 2, I mean, I do, but if I don't have Bioshock 2, I buy it, I get all the DLC, but I still want Minerva's Den, can I buy that from Steam? I can get that on Steam, right? Yes. I feel like, well, I feel like we need a Venn diagram. It. You've already got it. It's free, then. You've already, if you've already oh. got Bioshock 2 on Steam... No, 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 right, but I'm just saying, if there's somebody listening who, for some ungodly reason, hasn't played Bioshock 2 yet and doesn't even own it, they go to Steam, they buy it, it has no games for Windows Live, they finish it, and they're like, hey, I want to check out this... You know, I liked Gone Home, I think Steve Gaynor is really cool at telling stories, I want to see what he did with Minerva's Den... What are the options to get Minerva's Den for a newcomer to Bioshock 2? Oh, well, then you can purchase it on Steam. Oh, awesome. Good. Okay. Yes. All is well, then. Uh, Unfortunately, you uh-oh. just missed the big sale. <laughs> so oh. you've gotten the whole thing for $7 and something. You know what, though? It's good enough you should pay full price. It, it is very good. It's very, very good. Uh, I um, So when Bioshock 2 first came out, I think it was one of those things where... Uh, I played it on the Xbox 360 using the the dev kit, a pre-release version for a review, um, and then the release game came out. The, the release, you know, came out, and I was playing the retail version, and I started over on the super hard difficulty playing the retail version, and got maybe half a third of the way through, uh, and kind of stalled, and ended up having to play other things. So I'm still I'm still in the middle of a, a hardest difficulty level playthrough of Bioshock 2 that every now and then I'll go back and I'll make a little progress on. I spent a good bit of time with it before Bioshock Infinite came out. Um, but I'm still in the middle of a game of Bioshock 2 um, on the on the Xbox 360, though. So uh, the hardest difficulty is the... Uh, is it a separate selectable thing, but on the hardest difficulty, is that the one with no resurrection chambers correct. or whatever? Yep, correct. Okay. It is for the achievement. Yeah, it's for the achievement. You play the hardest difficulty level, no Vita chambers, Um the other settings. Yeah, I think just there, there's a, an achievement for those two things. Um, and also, those DLC maps are... I, some people have sort of complained that Bioshock 2 is an example of a great single-player game, but for whatever reason, the publisher insisted that it have multiplayer. So they cobbled on, you know, that's the language they'll use, they cobbled on multiplayer, or they they just slapped it onto the side of the game, uh, and nobody played it. Um, Another example of that recently is Tomb Raider. Great single-player game, but they cobbled on the multiplayer. They just slapped it onto the side. (laughs) I couldn't disagree more, though, about that with in as a description of Bioshock 2. The multiplayer in Bioshock 2, I feel, is really, really good, and it was done by a separate company. There was nothing cobbled on about it. Digital Extremes, who would go on to do the Darkness 2 game, um, they did some really smart stuff, and they tied it neatly into the storyline. There's a really good uh, sense of progression and a balance of the weapons and the plasmids, and specifically, the maps in the DLC some fantastic stuff. Um, I love the multiplayer in Bioshock 2. Um, 
So just want to give a shout out to that. Yeah, I on the 360, I really liked the multiplayer in Bioshock too. Um, it, it did get a, I, I think it it did get. Uh, unfairly kind of blasted by some people who just felt like, you know, ah, F that, Bioshock 1 was great without it, why does this need it, <laughs> kind of thing. Um, but, you know, Digital Extremes has a lot of experience, right? They, you know, they kind of worked hand-in-hand with Epic on a lot of the Unreal Tournament stuff. Oh, yeah, yeah, stuff. that's right, that's where they um, come from, yeah. So, yeah, so it's not like these guys don't know multiplayer, like, they know it really well, and uh, I think you mentioned it, but I really love the... Uh, you know, as just evidence of it not being slapped on, there's even like a there's like a prologue story to the multiplayer, mm-hmm. and there's like cinematics in it. Like there's, it, it's almost like its own little, you know, mini campaign as you well, go it through it's, it. Yeah there's, yeah, there's the different characters, and it's all about the fall of, of Rapture. Like it's yeah. things are going to hell. Yeah, uh, yeah, it was really good. And but uh, on the 360, at least, uh, I thought it was an example of. Well, this is how you screw the multiplayer community over by releasing map packs and then, you know, not separating the map lists. Yeah. Right? They just had the one map list and it was like, oh, you don't have the pack? Well, then, you know, pretty much F you. <laughs> As you're going through the rotation, when, when you hit a map that you didn't own, it would just boot you out. Right. Which actually, it was kind of conversely, Nick, it wasn't, oh, you don't have the pack, F you. Instead, it was, Oh, you do have the pack? Oh, you want to play games on these maps? Oh, sorry, it's never going to happen. You're never going to be matched with people. You know, right. it's only going to match. So the people who got screwed were the people who bought those awesome maps and would maybe host a game and wander around in them waiting for somebody to join. There, there was no support. You know, they just simply wouldn't come up in the rotation because there weren't enough people with them to, to fill games. The only way I got to play those maps is I, I was fortunate enough to have a six-computer LAN here at the house, and they, they sent me codes for them because I was writing them up. You know, I, I was able to play 3v3 games with my friends here on the LAN. But the thing is, now that's available for anyone who has Bioshock 2 on the PC. Um, so I, I hope there's a multiplayer community this late after the fact. I don't know what it's like, but at least there's an equal chance for those maps to show up in the rotation because everybody owns them now. So, unfortunately, <laughs> on that like note, <laughs> yeah, yeah, everyone has the maps now. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, when, when this happened uh, last week, when the Games for Windows Live was taken out, of course, there was a flurry of people reinstalling <laughs> Bioshock 2 and then, you know, jumping online, right? Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, uh, the multiplayer is kind of a crap show. What's going on? Uh, so, uh, the way they've set it up is, uh, when you play it, uh, it, you know, doesn't play on dedicated servers, it plays on a random person, uh, as a host. Oh, no. So, you will... Wait, what's wrong you, with that? Yeah. Well, you will play one game, and it'll be fine, you'll be getting the, you know, 30 frames a second, whatever, that they've set it up yeah, with. And then, oh. And then, and then the next... Up. Yeah, the next host. game you hit... <laughs> Everyone is rubber banding everywhere, and it's like two frames a second, and it's completely unplayable. It's awful. Well, I don't have that issue on my LAN. Ooh. Yeah, oh, well. <laughs> in the face. 1%, yeah, again. <laughs> He's like, well, that's what you get for playing with peasants. 
Uh, I also played online. It can be really frustrating, and there's really no way around this, to run into all these level 50 guys with the elephant rifles and the perfect suite of plasmids <laughs> to yeah. optimize headshotting you before you even see them. And uh, Yeah. So, all right. Well, uh, so are you are you fiddling again with the with the single player, Nick, or you've just kind of revisited it? Uh, no, I'm I'm actually playing through it. I'm playing through the single player now because I I feel like well, okay, I guess I'll get a bunch of Steve achie- Steam achievements this time. So, uh, are you doing photography? Because there's some there's some nice bonuses in there. Take pictures of stuff. I know. You get you get the you set up the perfect shot and then uh, yep. go away. <laughs> Do you know, are you going for a good playthrough or an evil playthrough? Uh, I'm going to go good. Yet? You're gonna I'm going to go good. All right. Yeah. I'm sure that many of the characters you meet will appreciate that. Um. <laughs> uh, yeah, Brad, because you... they act so differently otherwise, right? <laughs> well, they uh, th- did. Th- this game, it actually makes a difference at the end. Yeah. Bioshock 1 had the worst payoff right. for whatever your choices were. It was like, you either get to see this 30-second movie or this one. <laughs> wow. That is awesome. And and what I appreciate, too, about Bioshock 2 is that it, it really isn't a matter of good versus evil. It's a matter of... A, uh, this isn't a spoiler. It's a matter of accountability versus forgiveness. Yeah. You know, which one do you lean towards? And at first, you, you think, okay, I'm going to do the good or evil thing. But I think there's like four major decisions you have to make. As they roll each one out, I, I just love how not gray it gets because you can see both sides, but how it really is a matter of your own personal take. Like, like both decisions seem viable. It's not do you kick the puppy, do you feed the puppy. You know, they're not <laughs> doing that kind of thing. Uh, as far as games with binary choices, I always felt like Bioshock 2 just had a, a beautiful appreciation for how to make the choices seem meaningful and more than just black or white. Uh, yeah, really it was, it was, def- it was, it was probably the best implementation of like moral choices because they didn't feel like moral choices. They, they felt like, I mean, you know, the biggest thing I can, I can compare it to is like, is, is like parenting because sometimes when you're parenting, you're like, well, this, this kind of what I'm doing right now, it kind of seems like it's the right thing to do right now. And then maybe later on you're like, ah, gosh, I wish I could have handled that differently, but it's not like you're beating your child. It's just that, you know, maybe you, you know, you, you, you reacted in a certain way or punished for something and you're like, well, I probably didn't have to. And then it, but it's not like, you know, it's nothing like really horrible. It's just how you chose to, handle that particular situation so to me bioshock 2 like i took the good ending and i could see like kind of how the bad ending would have gone and typically when i do bad endings i'm just like okay whatever but i I think that would instead of me being like wow i was evil i probably would have been more regretful than anything else well the whole parenting angle is is obviously what i think uh take two marin uh is it, yeah, uh, what Marin, that, that studio was getting at, is right. because everything you're doing, and this is clear early on in the game, is you see the little sister watching you, you see those little eyes looking out, out of a vent. It's all about these decisions you're making, you're making in front of someone who is learning from you. And, yeah, right. and boy, if that's not parenting, what is? Uh, you know, that, that's, to me, that's the, the, the overarching theme of, of that game, what they're getting at, uh, is that it's not kill the puppy, or, you know, kick the puppy, feed the puppy. It's how do you treat this other impressionable person? You know, what do you teach this person about how to treat the puppy? Uh, I love that about the game. Yeah. They, they could have had the, uh, they could have gone the Bioware route and did the, did the uh, you know, feed the puppy or commit genocide. 
Or sleep with, <laughs> sleep with the puppy first. No, no, no. no, no do you no, want yeah. to mac the puppy? Do you want to mac yeah, on do, the puppy? You mac on it? Be, you would sex Tenenbaum. Do you want to romance Tenenbaum? <laughs> uh, I love, man, I'm, I'm so glad you brought that up, Nick, because, God, I just, I love this game, and you're you're now making me think, uh, GTA Five can wait. Maybe I should go in there and work on my uh, Bioshock 2 playthrough. Uh, so. Oh, the the other thing is, I had I don't know why because I I really did like it. I completely forgot how much more I liked the hacking mini game in Bioshock Two. It's the needle, right? It's your yeah. It's just the needle going back and forth. I, I you know, there's nothing wrong with uh you know I think the the pipes mm-hmm. mini game that was kind of in the first one. Uh, my problem was it always took me out of the game. Like I always felt like. Well, why the hell is there a pipes mini game to unlock a, you know, right. a vending machine or whatever? <laughs> but why just that little be? needle tap—you just look at the dial, you get the timing down, and yeah, exactly. I yeah, you like can it. fly through it. It's fast, and it—you know—it doesn't—it it doesn't feel completely divorced from reality. Because yes, I am hacking. So you know, here's my little electrical doodad that I'm using. Well, it fits that whole analog vibe of how everything works down there. You know, you're, you're just looking at that needle and you stop it at a certain point. Uh, it's not like now you're in this weird computer display with the little tiles that you're flipping. Yeah, yeah, I like that quite a bit. Um, and certainly, yeah, all the stuff with the cameras and the turrets and, you know, do you, are you going to be a pet class? Uh, you know, are you going to go for melee? Are you going to go for survivability? Uh, gosh, just such an awesome game. Way to, way to show everyone up uh, for their games of the week, Nick. Nice work. In your face, GTA. How are you going to top that, Brandon Kukowski Schnell? I'm um, not, because my game of the week is one that I'm actually irritated with. Can I do that? Is that possible? Yeah, I, I, yeah, I'm yeah, yeah, irritated. yeah, yeah. Yeah, so this, this just really pisses me off. So I <laughs> has have always been a huge fan of Puzzle Quest. Like, I loved the original. Like, Puzzle Quest is probably the game that I have spent, the handheld game I've spent the most time with. The second one, I think, being um, my Magic Clash of Heroes. But I spent just a tremendously crazy amount of time with Puzzle Quest, and I played Puzzle Quest Galactrix, which I still think was a very good game, even though I know a lot of people hate it. Puzzle Quest 2, I was not nearly as fond of. Why don't you explain in a nutshell what these are, for folks who may not know that. So Puzzle Quest is basically, it's it's a match three game, in which, Ew! Gross. Match three. Yeah. That's for that's for that's for old women, for old ladies, is, soccer moms. <laughs> yep, absolutely. Uh, so it's a match three game where the the purpose is for you to um, basically you're you're doing battle um, with uh, someone and and you're you you match um, gems to basically fill up meters of, of different types of mana. So, you know, you, you match red gems, you fill up red energy, green, and then based on the class of the character that you were playing, you would use various amounts of this energy to pull off what was effectively spells um, now, I, I, or attacks I feel like, or whatever. I feel like you're burying the lead. For for me, the Puzzle Quest games were always about that kind of persistent character development. Like There, well, there was very much an RPG, I'm leveling up, I'm getting better at this stuff, I'm equipping items, uh, I'm working my way through a storyline. Yeah, 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 sure. And that, yeah, that's I mean, for that me was, what that rescued it. it. Right, right. For me, though, it was more about it was more about setting up that perfect chain 
of moods. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, I, you know, I like the fact that you would do different, sp- it was, it was all about like the character and the story. Like, I don't, I don't remember what the story, the story was, Hey, fantasy person, there's evil afoot, go <laughs> punch a dwarf in the nuts. And you're like, okay. Um, but it was this, this ability to have a list of spells, know what type of things you needed. And then basically like setting up chains of moves so that as gems are being taken away and other gems are falling, they then get taken away and they're filling up your meters so that you could just completely obliterate your opponent and never give them a chance to do anything like that. Just the way that you could with the right sets of spells and the right development and the right board, you could just completely destroy an opponent without ever giving them the chance to do anything. Like I loved that. Mm -hmm. Um, but anyway, so that's sort of that that's sort of like beat down thing. You can't really get that with bejeweled. This no, idea you, of you yeah, totally overwhelmed. Yeah, when butterflies are dying, you're not like, yeah, suck it, <laughs> suck it, butterflies. <laughs> um, but I had heard that D3, the publisher who did uh, who published Puzzle Quest, they were doing a Marvel themed Puzzle Quest for uh, mobile. And I was like, all right, that's good. I like Marvel. I like Puzzle Quest. This is a thing uh, that I could get behind. Isn't it even called, like, Puzzle Quest in Marvel? It's like Marvel Puzzle Quest. Yeah. Okay, awesome. Yeah, what could go wrong? Free to play is what could go wrong. Free to play is what (laughs) has gone wrong. And this is a situation where I would gladly pay... You know, 20 bucks. I think that's how much the original Puzzle Quest was. Uh, maybe not, whatever. I would gladly pay $20 for a Marvel Puzzle Quest. And where, you know, and, 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 and not have to deal with this bullshit like, oh, your enemies, uh, or your, your, your guy gets injured after every match, so you've got to spend, you know, these healing tokens to bring them back, but then, you know, you run out, and so you got to wait for that charge back up. You know, or um, you know, you've got to, uh, you know, whatever. Uh, wait, wait for this guy or that guy to, to charge back up. You know, the, the basically all think of all the free to play stuff. You know, the ability, you know, two different different types of currency. Some you get in the game, some you can buy, you know, that you would use to train up your guy, train up your powers, um, you know, having the game tell you constantly that, oh, this person beat you and this person beat you and this person beat you. And then when you go to fight them, you know, they've got like a level 39 Iron Man that you can't possibly go up against because they apparently either, you know, have money to burn to train guys like all the free to play bullshit that you would expect in a free-to-play game. It's all here, and it's just infuriating because, you know, the basics of the game are still, the fundamentals are still sound. It's a somewhat stripped-down version of Puzzle Quest. There isn't nearly the same level of character development. There's not the same level of powers development. The interface is not as good for kind of seeing, like, because the key to winning at Puzzle Quest was not just for you. Sometimes you may have a game where you could do absolutely nothing, but what you could do is you could keep your opponent from doing anything so you would make matches to basically steal their energy from them and this game the interface is not really all that good to kind of see like what your opponent like what the juggernaut is going to need to punch you in the head with his head um but still i could get around that you know i I, i'd be okay with that you know they kind of do some things where you know you play matches and then you win comic book covers and you use those covers to upgrade your existing guys you know things like that 
and and I, I I find that the match three stuff is still as addictive as ever. It's just, you know, I just am not the I am not the audience for this game because I am not going to pay. Like if I were to, I mean, it's free to begin with. That's fine, but I am not going to pay money knowing that that there's no there's no like logical end to the amount of money that you could spend. And that's what always gets me about free-to-play games, is that the, the hand is always out. Um, let, let me... Uh, so so I, I want to point out one thing that's important to note here. Uh, it is published by D3, but it was not created by... No. I think the Australians are the Strategic Simulations Group. Is it SSG? Or no, no, uh, Infinity Interactive. They have several names, but they're a bunch of Australian dudes who've been around for a while. They did some great strategy games back in the day, uh, and then they hit upon this awesome formula with right. Match 3s. This is not the same developers, so it's the no, same it's publisher not. using the concept, but that might explain some of the rough interface you're talking about. But yeah, let me be a real- I think it's also because they, it has to be on an iPhone. As well what, as weren't the iPad. other ones ported to the iPhone? Oh, oh, I see what you're saying. An iPhone is... Right, you know, so, so, so I mean, you can see. Like, I'm not saying that you, you, you know, it is possible to see. Okay, what what things do I need for my powers, and what do they need for their powers? It just seems like it's a little. Um, I don't know. There's no way to kind of make it persistent. Um, but but again, at the end of the day, you know, I'm cool with that. You know, I, I'd be okay with that. But I, what I'm not gonna do, like, I'm just I am. I'm not the audience for these for free to play games. I mean, I, I have played my fair share. Um, you know, I certainly, um, you know, am willing to try these things out, but it's just well, not. I'm not going to spend the money. Well, here's where uh, I want to be a, a devil's advocate. I'm curious how you would respond to this. You just now said on this podcast. I would pay $20 for one of these. So yeah. part of me wonders, well, why don't you just put $20 into this? Because because what I don't know is how much $20 is going to go towards unlocking what I would consider to be the whole game. Okay. Like, if I'm going to spend $20 or $30, you know, I want to know that I can get everything on this cartridge, in this code, whatever you want to call it, simply by playing. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that $20 or $30 would, be, would allow me to do that in this game. Okay. Like I don't it, have a you're, you're concerned that it's asking for more than that, that it's an open-ended... Oh, I'm sure. Like you said, it's hand is on that, right. Okay. Uh, yeah, it's, I mean, it's, it's going to be know, like Candy Crush. Yeah, that's the point, right? I mean, is is to get get the money from you. Right. And I, and I, and I you know, I mean, I don't, I don't, I'm not, I'm not... Typically, free-to-play games, I have not found one that has ever hooked me to the point where I have been disappointed um, that it's free to play. This is the first one where I'm like, oh, God damn it! I mean, I'm you know not enough for me to actually spend the money on it, um, but um, but you know, yeah, my concern would be that you know that twenty dollars, I'd be like, okay, great, and then you know, I'd be able to play a little bit, but then you know, a week later, I'm back to the same place I am before, where you know I'm running out of stamina because because the model of it is such like twenty. What I want is I want a twenty. I want to pay twenty dollars to get a version that is not designed to be free to play, and I'm never going to get that. And and that's my objection as well. Is I it's not so much that I mind 
that it's a, that somebody can play this without paying a nickel. It's more that I mind that the business model is so completely threaded through the game design, and there's yes. no way to get that out of there. I don't want that in there. Uh, right. And no matter how much I pay, it's never going to get out of there. It's always going to be up in my face. I'm always going to be aware that, like you said, Brandon, it's a, it's a great visual metaphor. I'm always going to be aware that it's holding his hand out wanting more. Um, and, and it just irritates me because I, I, I know that this is the case, but then I keep playing it. You know, so <laughs> like, 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 like I, what I need to do is I need to delete it. Yes. I need to delete it from my yes. iPad. Exactly. Because I get these notifications and they're like, so-and-so, you know, beat you, fight back. And I'm like, okay, that's fine. You know, whatever, Captain Crunch 049, I'll, I'll, I'll fight back. You know, and then Captain Crunch has like a level 15 Magneto and the guy can like fucking tear your atomic structure apart. And I'm like, well, I can't do that. The guy has a level <laughs> 2 Black Widow. I don't think that's a good match. <laughs> you know, and it's just like, and then the other thing is, you know, they have this notion of like these these online things and like free to play games. They have like special tournaments. You know, Wednesday is a special this or this weekend it's the Venom event. You know, things like that. And it's like, okay, you know, the things you can win, the cards and the and the powers and stuff that you can win, it's all based on your rank, which would be fine if your rank was only affected by how much you played. Right. But it's not. If I attain a certain rank and then people beat me. My rank goes down. Like I don't mean like my, I don't mean like my my rank in terms of like I've got two hundred points. What does that mean in terms of my leaderboard? They actually take points away from you if you lose. So it really is geared towards the people who are willing to spend the money. And I'm I'm just not one of those people. So it's like okay, I may think all right, I'm you know whatever twenty shield points away from getting a spider-man card it's like yeah not so much because you got your ass kicked by you know the fucking uh you know legion of doom over here which i understand legion of doom is dc this is marvel sorry uh sinister six is that okay is that tom good i'm so offended can we do that tom are you okay with that uh, yeah brandon okay do you have your is your ipad within reach of you right now no it's not where is it uh, what the heck i don't know it's upstairs somewhere Run and get it. We'll, we'll wait. Run and get it. Run and get it. Uh, don't even pretend. I hear you're not running. Seriously. Run and get it. It's okay. We'll it's wait. Right. Uh, Nick and I are going to cover for you. Go ahead and take your, your headphones off. Run up there and get it. It's okay. Uh, it's okay. Go ahead. Tell me what to do. I'll do it. I promise. Do you, do you have your iPad? No, we, we want you on this show. We're going to have an intervention. Nick and I are your friends. Right. We're conducting an intervention right now. We want you to Can run I and help? get the iPad. Yeah, right. we're just here to help you. Do you think he's actually going to do it, Nick, or is he just going to – is he just bluffing? No, no, he's going to do it. I hope he's going to do it because we're going to we're going to actually accomplish something good. Normally, this podcast is just for diversion and entertainment. We are, maybe for the first time ever in the multi-year history of this podcast, we're going to accomplish something good for one man. We're going to help him. Work. We are doing – I don't want to get step on anybody's religious toes, but we're doing good work, I'll say. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Our, our, our karma is going to go up. Nick, do you have this installed on your iPad? Because it would no. be hypocritical if you do. Okay. No, no, you know what? No. I have it installed on my iPad because I downloaded it to look at it. I am right now. Let me type in my four-digit code. Where is it? Where is it? I haven't booted it up yet. I am now holding down on the icon. I'm tapping the X. Delete Puzzle Quest. It will delete all of its data. Delete. There. It's gone. I have now done it. That will be a model. That, that will serve as a role model, hopefully, for what we're going to get Brandon to do when he shows up with his iPad. All right, I have it right here. 
Okay. okay. I want you to go to the page that has the icon for Puzzle Quest. And I noticed here, called... my heroes are fully recovered and ready for battle. Okay. No. Do not Let's let that lure you. Yeah. So okay. on that screen, I just want you to not tap because that will open the game. That's not what we're doing. Hold it down. I want you to hold your finger down on the Puzzle Quest icon. And I noticed, by the way, I just now did it. It didn't say Marvel Puzzle Quest. It just says Puzzle Quest. It's so I'm looking at the icon right now, it says Marvel Puzzle Quest. Mine just was Puzzle Quest. Did I delete the thing? Wait a minute. Did you delete the <laughs> it says right here, Marvel Puzzle Quest Dark Rain. Oh, no. Okay, when you hold it down, hold down the icon. When you tap the X, it'll just ask if you want to delete Puzzle Quest, I bet. That's what it just now did for me. So hold down ah, on the thing, yes. press the X. It says it's going to delete all the data. That's yeah. fine. That's fine. That's what we want, Brandon. That's what All right. It's do. done. It's done. Awesome. Yay. That is so uh, awesome. <sighs> Doesn't that feel better? Isn't that yes, a, a weight off your shoulders? It now really you, is. Now you can level up in GTA Five. No, you know what I can level up in that just popped right next to it? What? Dead Man's Draw. Okay, that, by the way, is another thing where I'm glad you mentioned this. I, I'm i a little annoyed. I love that game, but I'm a little annoyed at some of their monetization strategies there. Yeah, they're... they're, they're yeah. It's I, relatively I, innocuous. It's not that it bad. But it's constantly in your face. It's a little aggravating uh, for, for a... Uh, I don't know. As I, I, they did. I really, they did just update it, so I'm kind of hoping that it didn't. I it didn't help. Yeah, it no. doesn't help. Oh, okay. no. All they do with the update is there are certain thresholds that are huge money sinks, and they uh, took those out. Uh, they still want you to pay for your powers. You still uh, yeah. can pay to double your XP, um, but it's no Marvel Puzzle Quest. Well, I still I feel like in Dead Man's Draw, like at least if you like you can get to those places, it's just going to take you longer if you don't pay for it, as opposed to like never being able to get there. Now you will notice there's one thing: the very top level uh, like skill that you unlock, you can only get if you pay. I think it's a dollar ninety nine. Uh, so they do have one thing that requires real world money. Uh, Which one's that one? Uh, I'd have to look, but it's the uh, if you look at your leveling, uh, like it's always telling you what you're going to unlock next. There's a list of things. Oh the, yeah, okay. The very top one you'll note. Uh, let me see if I can go back. Uh, says I don't know where I would look for it. Uh, it's for your character. As a matter of fact, I'm going to tell you right now. I go to help. I go to view rules. No, this is. Fascinating for the listeners listening to us. <laughs> <laughs> well, at any rate, there's some point where when you level up, you can see when you're going to unlock what abilities and whatnot. Oh, it's where you slot your traits. Like if I oh, go okay. to play and then I'm going to do a tournament. Some of these tournaments, I love how funky they are, by the way. Yeah. And I love how the AI knows how funky they are. Like I don't feel like the AI is playing the same way it normally does. It seems no. like the AI is the worst. So when you slot a trait, if you scroll all the way down, there's a trait called Plunderer where any time you use the key chest combo to get bonus cards, you can take them from your opponent's hand. The only way you can ever get that is to pay $1.99. Oh. Hmm. It's, like I said, relatively innocuous, but still, in my face, I don't, I don't need to be looking at that when I'm leveling up. Um, so, Nick, have you looked yeah. at uh, uh, Puzzle Quest or Dead Man's Draw? Uh, I did look at the Marvel uh, Puzzle Quest, but then I saw it was free, and I knew to stay away. <laughs> I just I just stay away from those games because I, I I could probably fall down the rabbit hole pretty quick on them. Um, I have not gotten the Dead Man's Draw yet, but I'm I'm very interested in it. it it's um, really good. How, how much is it anyway? Two bucks. Two yeah. bucks. See, okay, so 
I have been uh, obviously I'm always very interested in the kind of industry uh, for gaming where it's going and whatnot, and uh, I'm going to bore Tom a little bit. So <laughs> the sweet spot apparently for uh, games where you want to draw the most in-app purchases at this okay. point mm-hmm. is 99 cents. Sure. Because I, I 99 cents is low enough for people to impulse buy uh, on the App Store, but it's high enough that once they've bought it, they've now committed to it, and they're less likely to do what Brandon just did and delete the app. Wait, when you say 99 cents, you mean for a base game. You buy a game for 99 cents, and then the game is trying to sell you in-app purchases? Correct. Okay. Correct. Because now you've bought it, you've already spent 99 cents, and now it's, oh, okay, a dollar more? All right. Oh, 99 more cents? Okay, all right. You know, you're more likely because you've already opened your wallet to Whereas this Whereas if it's free, you, it's not like you spent anything that you're throwing away. Brandon didn't just now throw away any money. Right. He Well, he threw away his time. <laughs> right. Time's not really worth much. I don't know if you've ever actually listened to what I say. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and where are you getting this from, Nick? Like, is this some study or did Michael Pachter say it? Or what, where do you uh, – what's the source for this idea that 99 cents is – Lucifer. <laughs> Satan. <laughs> Satan himself. No, there's um, – Compared to Nick actually, and Vision. Uh, on – so on uh, – I believe it's pronounced Gamasutra. Yeah. Um, which, you know, is just a bunch of really it's a lot of indie developers get on there and just talk about their experiences. Um, there's a whole series of articles done by I forget his name, but it's an economist and it, he did a whole bunch of studies and he even worked for at one time, the devil incarnate Zynga um, about this this kind of manipulation, you know, this this sort of psychological digging into people with in-app purchases. Um, so by pretty, his by by his economics, Dead Man's Draw is exactly twice as expensive as it should be. Probably, I'm sure someone at Stardock would say no. I <laughs> see. I don't get the feel. Like, I mean, Dead Man's Draw certainly wants you to spend money, but I don't feel that it's at the same level as some of these like 99 cent games where they they kind of their whole business model is like designed for you to spend spend right spend, and it's spend, part spend. of why i can stomach it is i don't you know that yeah it, i can see this idea that you have to periodically pay to recharge your abilities they did kind of address that but not entirely uh i can see there are going to be times later in the game where you're probably going to have to Grind, like replay levels just to earn money, yeah. which isn't that bad of a deal. And that's that's fine for me. I don't yeah. mind doing that. Well, and furthermore, they give you a scoring system. Like you might replay levels to try to increase the score to get all the stars yeah. for the level. So right. I feel like it's not. I'm not entirely spinning my wheels. Spinning my wheels. Right. Like I'm I'm trying to accomplish something, and as a byproduct of that, I'm getting more money to, to carry on. So it, it it is actually pretty innocuous. Uh, I even felt a little bad bringing it up, but I just feel like it could be an otherwise almost immaculate time waster slash strategy game if it didn't have that stuff in there. Uh, yeah, I would agree but, with that. But yeah. I mean, I look at the only game I've ever spent in-app money on is um, Ascension. 
Oh and well, Hex. that's not true. Hex. I bought the army. I bought some armies in Hex. But I don't know. That's not those. Those are aren't those more like add-ons? Like I, I don't know. We're, we're well, some this. of them are, but then there's also like you know you can buy like three cards. You know, there's like the add-ons, right. but then there's you know so so they I think they kind of they're both just like in Hex. I think like Hex the the extra armies. You know, the base armies that they give you are plenty, and Lord knows I haven't mastered any of those. But then when the new armies came out, I was like, well, shit, I got to try that. I'm, I might regret this, but uh, what what is Hex? Nurushima Hex. Oh, 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 right, right, right. Nurushima Hex. Yeah, I, I suck at that game so bad that there, there, it has no draw for me buying extra stuff. <laughs> oh, well then you should play me because then <laughs> that game hurts I'm also my head. Terrible. It's all huh? it's all it's basically Nurushima Hex is is a math problem that will always inevitably fall apart on me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's a game that if you feel like you're hot shit, play on the AI on something other than like you know toddler level, and you'll get you'll realize that you really don't know anything about anything. Yeah, it's for yeah. a sobering experience. <laughs> uh, all right, so uh, let's see. Marvel Puzzle Quest not recommended. Uh, have you played Marvel Heroes? By the way, speaking of free to play. No. Oh, good Lord. <laughs> I, I just here remember. Surely you've got a PC. Uh, actually, you know what? It is pretty... Uh, I've tried to play it on a machine here that has Windows XP and a middling video card, and it's insufferable. Uh, uh. But, I, man, I, I just started playing with some of the new characters. You know, maybe I'll talk about this next week. But they've been adding new characters. I've, I've been plinking around at some of them. Uh, who, by the way, is... Uh, Nick or uh, no, uh, Nick Fury and Luke Cage. I screw that up, so I think Nick Cage. Um, who is Luke Cage? Luke Cage. Oh yeah, yeah. Power Man and Iron Fist. Yeah. So back what? in the what day, what did you just say? Uh, <laughs> Luke Cage was he used to be called Power Man. I think now he's just called Luke Cage. But there was like a time when it was like there was like Luke Cage and this other guy named oh I forget what his real life name is, but his name was he, he was Iron Fist and Luke Cage. Real life name what? Power Man and Iron Fist, they they were like superheroes, but but they were like they would like uh, mostly more like like for the for the common man, like you know they they were more like, kind of like how Daredevil like mostly hung out in like Hell's Kitchen and kind of helped people like you kind of on the ground. These guys were like in, based out of Harlem, and they they would mostly help people who you know were like kind of not like like the Avengers who were fighting like Ultron or you know these giant galactic threats they were more like the boots on the ground kind of guys well, and yeah and so so Luke Cage he he was awesome because he had like a metal disco headband it was awesome but I think he's like I don't know what his exact powers are he's like super strong um, and then Iron Fist he he was kind of like um, he was like a kung fu master um, but well, yeah they were pretty rad he, he does a lot of punching but yeah he's, he's a brawler a- He's a he's a pet class too, like he summons all these these dudes that hang out with him and like there's, there's a as near as I can tell from looking at the skill tree, uh, I've got a, a kung fu dude who heals me who's walking around with me. But if you work on that side of the skill tree, he's got all these other people he summons. There's even hmm. it sounds like a stripper name like Mystic Candy or what? There's some yeah, girl's not, name. That's not ringing any bells. <laughs> okay. Uh, <laughs> But uh, I just thought he was a regular puncher dude, but he brings people along with him. Well, what, now, like, like I always think of Power Man and Iron Fist as kind of like when, like, DC kind of they would do um, the Green Green Arrow and Green Lantern. You know, they they kind of had this really awesome run. I think it was like seventies, early eighties um, of Green Lantern. So you had Green Lantern. You know, Hal Jordan was like kind of the ultimate soldier. You know, he he did what he was told. He was like the 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 
the authority guy. And then Oliver Queen was like the fucking hippie socialist, like, you know, fuck power, fuck money. Like the, 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 the power belongs to the people. And, and so they basically had this run of comics where the two of them would basically, it was kind of like they would like travel, um, the country, like fighting, like writing wrongs, but but their their ideologies were so different that they would like really kind of butt heads, and then and then that kind of spawned the whole storyline where you found out that that um, Speedy was was hooked on heroin. That was that was um that was uh, uh Green Arrow's sidekick, um, and he was like he was a junkie, and it was just like this really awesome run. And then Luke Cage and Power Man, they always kind of to me kind of had that vibe, that kind of common man, you know, like sticking it to the man, you know, kind of anti-disestablishmentarianism groove to it. It was just this really kind of funky uh, feel to the right. whole thing. Well, uh, tell me about this thing because the only reason that I wasn't sticking with Luke Cage uh, is because I started playing a character. Uh, and her ability is basically to charm or, or take over enemy units. So she can, at a certain point, knock an enemy unit's health down. And when it gets below a threshold, she can then use her charm skill to permanently, or until you, she replaces it with another creature, win it over to her side. So early on, I was Who's looking that? for a relatively powerful boss. I was like, okay, this is the guy I want to win over. And I don't know, so this isn't at all what I expected based on her name. And I don't recognize this name so tell me brandon kankowski chanel comic book expert who oh, on earth say that no i just said it i'm sticking by it because i bet you can tell me everything i need to know about emma frost emma frost that's the white queen my god she's one of the most powerful oh my god you don't know who emma frost is okay <laughs> when you say the white queen i think of alice in wonderland no emma frost is okay so there's Charles Xavier who's in terms of like telepathic abilities is probably like the highest outside of like when Jean Grey had the Phoenix Force in her he was probably uh-huh. like the high, when Jean Grey had the Phoenix Force in her uh, so so Xavier is like one of the highest level telepaths uh, in the in the kind of like the Marvel right. universe and Emma Frost is like kind of like a step below him. So she she originally, it was her and Sebastian Shaw and a bunch of other people, they were in this group called the Hellfire Club. And it was like this weird, almost like an S&M kind of club where they would do evil things. And eventually she ended up getting brought over to uh, to work for the the X Men and she could like yeah she could get in people's heads but then then later on her X Men power her uh, it kind of mutated and she could make her skin like diamonds oh yeah that happens here like anytime she uses a melee attack she triggers a diamond skin and then yeah. anytime she then does a ranged attack and another skill tree she loses that so once she starts punching she has this like quasi impervious diamond skin yeah. armor. Uh-huh. Yeah, January Jones did a horrible, horrible job. Of That's playing what her I was wondering. In so she X-Men was in First one of class, right? So she was in one of the movies. I wondered about that. Yeah, she was terrible. She was absolutely horrible <laughs> in that movie. But but yeah. she can take over people's minds and make them yes. serve her. Yep. Awesome. Yeah, and and so she she's cool because you know, like I said, she was a bad guy and then she was a good guy, but she still kind of got that. I don't know if anti-hero is the right thing, but but yeah, I mean, she's you know. What was wrong with January Jones in the movie? I love January Jones. What's what's your deal? Aside from her being terrible, I don't know. Um, she did a bad job with a with it, and maybe it wasn't written for. I I am not a I I am not a person who liked X Men First Class, so I don't. I may not be the first the best person to talk about it. Um, that movie bugged me on a lot okay, of levels. Okay, well let's 
Let me put it this way. In all of the pantheon of Hollywood celebrities, who would make a better Emma Frost than January Jones? Um, let's see. Who is someone who is attractive and blonde um, who can act? So just find you know, someone who fits just January that. Jones? Yeah. She, did, she could If she can act, she didn't show it off in X-Men First Class. <laughs> i that much. And the blonde, by the way, it's strictly optional. You can just get that out of a bottle. So you've narrowed it yeah. down to two things, attractive and can act. I'm going to give you Ellen Page. Oh, God. <laughs> Ellen, no, Ellen Page can't be. She can't be January Jones because she was uh, Kitty Pride. Oh, no, you're right. Exactly. She's also a superhero in a movie called Super uh, that I really like. She was a superhero called Bolty. So she's got her playful. Yeah. Okay. Attractive and can act. Okay. How oh, about- wait, wait, wait. There's one other yes. qualification, right? Yeah. You, you well, have to be willing to show off a lot of cleavage. Yeah, there's a there's right. there's a there's a lot of yeah that suit right. was not did not leave much. The well, that's one of the things in in Marvel Heroes is she definitely looks like one of those cheesecake characters. Like all her little outfits are like really I, I've got to dress like this. <laughs> I got to dress like a, a lingerie model. I mean, I, yeah, I'm okay that's with that, definitely the the male ver- the male. Oh, it's empowering if women want to dress with their boobs hanging out. Right, right, yeah. Uh, so, uh, all right. So, who who are you going to cast, uh, Brandon, in your uh, in your X Men movie as? Well, can I give her like a? I'm gonna I'm gonna give her a white trench coat just so that she doesn't have to. Right. Okay. Uh, fair enough. Because um, it's probably cold. Because that's her whole deal. I'm guessing is she's got like frost powers and she should no, dress she's not have frost powers. That's Ice what? Man. No, she's got mental powers. What the heck kind of name is Emma Frost if she doesn't shoot ice? Like I'm she's shooting the, white. She's the White Queen. <laughs> All right, okay. I need to work out some of the theming here for guys like me in the cheap seats. But yeah, okay, so I don't, who's, I don't I don't know who I would. I don't know the only blonde uh, act, person who can act that I can think of right now is Jennifer Lawrence, but she was playing a young Mystique. So I I, I honestly don't know. How about if I give you Chloe Moritz Grace? I don't really like her very much, and she's way too young to be sexualized okay. that amount. That's that's kind of skeezy. In that case, we're just going to have to go with uh, Angelina Jolie. That way I've been salt, that blonde just did not work. Was kind of weird, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right, we'll put some more thought into that. We'll revisit that at another time. Uh, okay. And actually, I do want to talk at, at some point once I've spent more time with these characters. I'm such a sucker for this freaking game, this uh, stupid Marvel Heroes thing. Uh, and I kind of feel ashamed of myself. Maybe you two should stage an intervention. I think we should. Because it's free to play, except I mean, you just buy the characters, and then and then you're grinding away at these Eternity Splinter things that you pick up to buy new characters. And I actually feel like for free to play, they have done a great combination of, of two things. They've navigated two pitfalls. It doesn't feel too exploitative um, in that I feel like I get a lot of value out of it. Yet, while I'm playing, I'm constantly tempted to just chuck a little bit of money in there. Yeah, like it, uh, it, they, they're really navigating it. They've taken some time getting this to sort of uh, it tuned correctly, but I feel like they've tuned it very nicely to where they just might get a guy like me to throw money into it. I don't know. We'll see. Well, then I need to stay away from it. Yeah, you steer clear. Don't and don't reinstall uh, the Marvel Puzzle Quest. I won't. I mean, the reality is, I really only need something to 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 do until Saturday because that's when Pokemon X and Y come out, and then I'm set. So. Oh, good, yeah. I look forward to hearing more about this. Uh, yep. cute, cute animals at each other's throats. Exactly. Uh, violence and fluffiness. <laughs> yes. Fighting for their master's approval. <laughs> well, isn't the, isn't the fiction that you're just putting them to sleep or something? Well, you're not euthanizing them, they if faint. that's what you're yeah. saying. 
Yeah. Yes, you basically are just asking them to beat each other into unconsciousness. Into yeah, just into into a coma or whatever. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah. And then you cram them into a tiny plastic ball. Right. And then Uh, and then shove them into a computer where they wait for you to let them out for a brief moment of fresh air in which they are once again placed in blood sport. Uh, Real quick, tell us about the difference between X and Y. Um, Or do you know? There's, there's all really the only difference typically is is the the, the, the Pokemon that you can get. That's it. Oh, so it's the same game, but you get if you want to be a completionist, you have to get both of them, or you trade with someone who you has trade. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Right. Yep. So which are you getting? Do you know? Well, I ordered uh, one of each because my son uh, wanted it for his birthday. So, um, and I was gonna let him pick, and he was like, "I don't care," which makes me wonder why I spent the money on it. Uh, <laughs> so. <laughs> Um, I think I'm going to go with Y because I like the cover art better. Right, and this is a, a 3DS game, right? Yes, it's the first right. the first Pokemon game in full 3D, unless you bought a 2DS. 2DS, that's right, 2DS, and and then it's 2D. Uh, I look forward to. I I am not joking at all when I say I look forward to hearing more about this because uh, next week I'm also going to be playing a children's collectible cute things beating each other up game, not Pokemon. Um, but uh, I'll be doing some Skylanders coverage. Oh, Are you jealous. into that? Oh, oh really? God. Jealous? You should, yeah, hell yeah! You should see. I, I, you should see my. Yes, I got into Skylanders. My son and I got into Skylanders in a real big way last uh. year. So yeah, so I'm actually waiting for the for it to come out on the next gen. That's I think what oh, I'll right. the, the swap force. But, so uh, let's see. So, so Brandon, you'll be covering Pokemon. I'll be covering Skylanders. Nick, we need you to look into some sort of a Hello Kitty game. Mm-hmm. Like, like their island rescue or whatever. Ah, you know the name of a Hello Kitty game. <laughs> <laughs> All right, folks listening, thank you very much for being here this week. Follow us on at QT3. Uh, remember to check out Brian Rubin's top ten video game spaceships. Uh, be sure to let us and him know what things he left off. That's what lists are all about. Uh, and like us on Facebook as well. Uh, I am Tom Chick. I have been joined by Nick Diamond and Brandon Kukowski-Schnell. We thank you for joining us. We hope you'll be here next week, and uh, we'll see everyone then. Space, the final frontier. Oh, it's so dopey. The voyage of the starship Enterprise. Its five-year mission to explore strange new worlds, to seek out new life. And, new and jo- life. John Williams could really crank out a, uh, a song, couldn't he? No man has gone before. <laughs> this isn't really John Williams, is it? No. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I understand some people listening to this are maybe getting goosebumps or whatever. That's fine. It's cool for them. But I just like, oh, good lord! Is that woman? Is someone that's, strangling that woman? That's, that's what terrible. It's the woman. It's a space movie, and it's something like a ghost, space ghost. Ooh. <laughs> Especially after they just dissed women with that whole uh, sort of backwards yeah. Eisenhower era. Boldigo, where no man has ever has gone, gone before. before. Yeah. Yeah. And actually, here's a woman going there and, and <laughs> strangling, shrieking about it. Well, but then you get the well, you get the green chick at the end too, Desi Lou. 